The 360 Degree Leader is a brilliant book by John C. Maxwell that I would highly recommend for any leader to read, whether you're C-level, VP-level, mid-level, intermediate level of leadership, you should read this book because it will give you a great perspective on how you as a leader should think. The summary of the book is this. As a leader, you need to see yourself as someone who has the potential to influence not only peers, but also your leaders at a higher level. You could say superiors, for lack of a better word, and subordinates. And the idea about the 360 degree leader is you should lead 360 degrees all around, left, right, up, down, and outwards. Today, we are taking a look at the frustration leaders face when trying to lead 360, and that is the challenge of following an ineffective leader. Now, the thesis is you are a leader wherever you are in the organization, but how do you cope when you're in the middle of a pack following an ineffective leader? We're going to take a look at some ideas today. The key to successfully navigating the frustration challenge is to understand that your job isn't to fix the leader, it's to add value to the leader. If the leader won't change, then change your attitude. Stop speaking negatively about the leader every second. It'll also drive you up the wall. And if you cannot do that, then it's probably better for you to change your work address. Let's take a quick look at the story of Jefferson Davis and Robert E. Lee an overview of their roles during the American Civil War. Now, for those of you who know American history, you understand that the background of the conflict back in 1865 was the Confederate States of America engaged in the Civil War for nearly four years, and they faced critical decisions. And you got to remember that these states had seceded from the United States, igniting the conflict. Robert E. Lee, who is one of our main characters in this story, was appointed as General-in-Chief, placing him in command of all Confederate armies, not just the Army of Northern Virginia, and this was contrary to his wishes. Now, Confederate leaders recognized Lee as a superior military leader compared to this guy, Jefferson Davis. So we have two people at play, Jefferson Davis, the president of Confederate States, and Robert E. Lee. Robert E. Lee was known for his military strategy, and he was respected by friends and foes. Jefferson Davis, on the other hand, had a background of a senator. He was a government worker, plantation owner. Yes, he had some credentials, but the real leader, the better leader, for lack of a better word, was Robert E. Lee. Now, this could be debated on many fronts, but history proved that Lee's military prowess was top-notch. Even President Lincoln had offered him command of the Union forces, but of course, you know, he declined due to his loyalty to Virginia. So as the war dragged on, Confederate leaders grew increasingly dissatisfied with Davis's leadership. Despite his impressive credentials, he was not an effective wartime leader. There's a difference between being a leader on paper and being a leader indeed. 
And you know this, my friends, because you have probably come across leaders in your work life that were not all that. They were not that great at leadership, even though they had the credential, they had the title, they have all the degrees, all the paperwork behind them. But when rubber meets road, they're not that great leaders. Robert Ely is a prime example of someone in the frustration challenge. Now, this poor guy had all this military prowess, great military strategy, respected by friends and foes. People wanted him to be the top dog, but hey, this guy was the top dog. There was a problem, however. Robert E. Lee was unable to overcome effectively the frustration challenge by adding enough value to Jefferson Davis in ways to help him. The same way Jefferson Davis was not a good enough leader to see the potential and the prowess in Robert E. Lee to get as much out of him to make up for his ineffective leadership. So Lee remained loyal to his state and his leader, Jefferson Davis. He refused to usurp Davis's authority, despite the push from many to make him commander in chief. So in a move of desperation, the Confederate Congress appointed Lee as general in chief. Now, this was an attempt, of course, to change the outcome of the war by leveraging Lee's military expertise. Even union leaders on the other end of the whole debate, like Ulysses S. Grant, recognized the limitation of Davis's leadership compared to Lee. Well, as history tells us, the outcome of the war was the eventual surrender and capture Lee's surrender and Davis's capture, and that marked the defeat of the Southern leaders. If only Davis had the propensity to use Lee's awesome leadership abilities and wartime capabilities. As a result of Davis's poor leadership, and Lee's inability to lead up, we know what happened. At the end of the day, Lee's adherence to the chain of command, just like a good military leader and his sense of honor prevented him from overstepping his bounds, even though he might have been a more effective leader than Davis. So the story suggests that Lee's inability to lead up and take more control may have influenced the outcome of the war. So my friends, are you a great leader closeted inward, unable to lead up or will you lead up? I recognize the frustration, John recognized the frustration and there's a lot of frustration when you have to toe the line behind an ineffective leader. Think about a team feeling directionless under a visionless leader. Have you ever been there? Paul Pullman says leadership is not just about giving energy. It's unleashing other people's energy. So as a leader, you've got to unleash people who you understand are better than you. And it's okay. 
it's okay for people to be better than the leader. The problem is when the leader does not harness those people's energy, when the leader refuses to harness the energy of people better than them. And that's an insecure leader. John often says only secure leaders give power to others. And it's true. Think about how a leader transforms after realizing fear-driven decisions stifle the team. That's good. What is bad is when a leader does not develop. Insecurity in leaders usually manifests as control and fear, but it doesn't have to be. Insecurity in leaders is as a result of them seeing their people as enemies or seeing their people as threats. But a weak leader can get better by realizing the people around them only make their leadership better when they harness their resources. Lao Tzu says, a leader is best when people barely knows he exists. A leader working behind the scenes is not an ineffective leader. That is an effective leader. They are leaders who react instead of respond. The pitfalls of leaders reacting with anger rather than responding thoughtfully. When you hear the murmurs from under you, it's time for you to ask the question, why? And that is when a leader should learn to channel anger into constructive feedback. When you get the murmurings from under you, it's time for you to do something about it. It's not time for you to double down and be even more of a draconian leader. No, it's time for you to accept that feedback and do something about it. Ken Blanchard says the greatest leaders mobilize others by coalescing people around a shared vision. That's when you need to react. There's a kind of leader John describes as the status quo leader. And this is the leader who does not want to change, who just wants to stay the same. I like a quote from Jack Welch, and he says, change before you have to. Are you working for a status quo leader? It can be quite frustrating. A status quo keeper who refuses to change can be such a frustration to work with. What about the leader who lacks vision? You find yourself just beating your head against the wall daily because there's no vision. There's no understanding of direction. It is part of the frustration challenge. Peter F. Drucker says management is doing things right. Leadership is doing the right things. But when there's a lack of leadership, you're just going around like a bee without a hive, a bee without the direction to get the nectar. That's how you are. And it's very energy draining and frustrating. I understand your frustration. What about working with a selfish leader who just wants to get all the accolades? It's like, give me all the praise. But it doesn't have to be this way. As a leader, we need to check ourselves and say, am I the selfish person who is taking all the accolades and not giving the power to my team to big up my team and say, they're the reason for the success? 
Martin Luther King Jr. says a genuine leader is not a searcher for consensus, but a molder of consensus. You see, a great leader shifts from the me mindset to a we mindset. A leader shifts from self-centered to team-centered and improving morale. And we, as people who lead up, we need to see the weakness in the leader and find ways of adding value to the leader to accommodate this environment and to as much as possible change the future of that environment. In order to make an impact, we need to build relationships with leaders. We need to form strong bonds with leaders. And we need to realize that relationship building can improve a leader's effectiveness. John Maxwell says people buy into the leader first and then the vision. You, as someone looking to make a difference in this environment, you have to understand that you need buy-in before you can make a dent. And think about it. Before you allow people to make an impact on you, you first buy into them, right? When it comes to making a dent in this environment, we need to appreciate and complement strength. The power of recognizing and complementing a leader's strength, even when you may feel they are riddled with weaknesses, is a strength for you. My challenge to you is to find something good to say about your leader. Are you always moaning about the leader? Are you always looking for faults in the leader? I want to encourage you to focus on your leader's strength, especially in the challenging times. The anecdote here is a team flourishing by focusing on their leader's strength and not their weakness. Ralph Nader says the function of leadership is to produce more leaders, not more followers. We as leaders in the middle need to see the strength of our leaders at the top. And we need to have confidence in the process that they are at the top for a reason. Because the moment we don't believe our leader is there for a reason, bad energy begins to flow. And as I said in the beginning, your better choice is to just change your work address. One thing you could do after you have spent time investing in relational energy with the leader is to expose your leader to good resources. Understand that the role of leadership resources is key in a leader's development. Wendell Wilkie says, education is the mother of leadership, where people have no idea or no clue how they're going to grow. But you, as the insightful person in the middle, you need to have developed a relationship with the leader for them to trust you. You cannot make a change if there's no trust. I would highly encourage public affirmation and support of the leader. Publicly acknowledge your leader's accomplishments. An anecdote here is 
the leader gaining confidence and trust in you because you gave power to them. You gave them that public affirmation. John Maxwell says a leader is one who knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way. You as a leader, you show the way in bigging up your leader, in acknowledging your leader publicly. So here's the solution to the frustration challenge as you probably gathered through what I shared. It's adding value. Number one, develop a solid relationship with your leader. Avoid building relational barriers and get to know your leader and find common ground. Spend time in meaningful conversation where possible. Where there's team building going on and you normally see the leader standing aloof, have a conversation with the leader. Intentionally seek out the leader. It's called leading up. There's a difference between leading up and kissing up. This is leading up. Reaffirm commitment to the organization's mission. These are ways to develop a solid relationship with your leader. Number two, identify and appreciate your leader's strength. Every leader has strength. Identify them. I don't care however small it is. Find one and consider how these strengths can benefit the organization. Number three, commit yourself to adding value to your leader's strength. Maximize your leader's strength. Find ways to maximize your leader's strength, to amplify your leader's strength. Now, someone who is inept in the concept of leadership, they say, it's not my job. Why do I need to do that? But someone who is a 360-degree leader understands the importance of identifying the good in everyone, including the leader, and maximizing it. So leverage these strengths to benefit the organization. And a true leader understands that opportunity is a gateway to doing this. There are opportunities all around you. Number four, Get permission to develop a game plan to complement your leader's weaknesses. Now, this is a tall order, but it's exemplified in the lives of CEOs and people who are honest and open to tell the world, hey, I might be a CEO, but I don't know it all. Case in point, Jack Welch, who I quoted earlier, when he came in to leadership as CEO, he knew that he needed coaches in the area of technology, someone to coach him, to help him, to build him, because he wasn't altogether there when it came to the internet and the web and things like that. The other area he needed help in was understanding the financial game as a CEO. So he knew that he needed someone to help build him, to teach him, and he got someone to do that. You as a leader in the middle, you need to get permission to develop a game plan to complement your leader's weaknesses, but it has to be founded on trust. If your leader doesn't trust you, this ain't going to happen. If your leader believes you're a threat because you don't publicly affirm the leader, you always have bad things to say or bad looks. Sometimes it's a dirty, haughty look. I'm just being honest. Leaders know what that looks like. You don't want to be that person giving the leader the dirty look. You want to be the person that builds the leader, okay? So, number one, empowering people to fill in talent gaps. It's a mindset. 
where a leader feels I don't have the skill, but do I have people that have the skill? Do I trust the people that have the skill? A lot of times it's no trust, right? So our job is to get the leader to trust. And how do you build trust, relational energy? Offer to take on areas that are your leader's weakness, especially when you know your leader is weak in an area, jump in there. Number five, expose your leadership, your leaders to good leadership resources. Share books, CDs, DVDs on leadership, and you got to approach it with tact and positivity. But after you have built that relational energy, these things become easier. You are no longer a threat. You're looked at as a confidant. You're looked at as someone who amplifies them. Number six, publicly affirm your leader. Provide truthful affirmation focusing on strength. It helps to build your leader, build your leader's confidence, and not your own confidence. So my charge to you, my friend, in this job where you're working with this leader is you got to have a roadmap for adding value despite your frustration. It's very important that you maintain a positive spirit because once your spirit is dampened and you don't see any out, that's it. That's retrogression. You might as well just leave. So my 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 charge to you is to be positive, okay? See it as part of your growth in overcoming the limitation of an ineffective leader above you, okay? Understand that leadership is more of a disposition than a position. You need to have a positive mental disposition the great Zig Ziglar says, it's your attitude that determines your altitude, not your aptitude. It's all about that attitude thing, right? So your disposition towards your leader is huge. Also, understand the concept of influence. Leadership is all about influence. And you can influence your leader. In other words, you can lead your leader. You can add value to your leader. And this is key in dealing with this challenge. But my question to you, my friend, is are you willing to lead the leader, right? Granted, there are challenges of ineffective leadership, but you've got to face the challenge. And I've given you strategies for coping, strategies for thriving, I've given you ideas that you can take back. I want you to maintain a long view. I want you to focus on long-term successes and contributions. I want you to focus on the value of patience and perseverance. Just stay in there. But intentionally make these moves, okay? So, in closing, there are times when you may need to consider a change. There are going to be times when all these strategies do not materialize in the outcome we would like, which is the leader harnessing the resources around them to effectively lead. That doesn't always happen. So we need to recognize when frustration overwhelms. I've been there. I've been there. Hey, I understand. 
there are times when you may need to consider a job change. And if you need to consider a job change, it is what it is. But don't burn your bridges. That's one thing I would highly advise you to not do. Do not burn bridges. Keep the relationship as intact as possible. Be nice about it. And if it's not a good fit for you, perhaps it's a good fit for someone else because we're all different, okay? In conclusion, my friend, the journey of adding value in challenging leadership scenarios is a long one in many instances. People don't change overnight. People change over a long haul, sometimes six months, sometimes one year. Some people do change overnight, but we're not expecting that from everyone, okay? Build a legacy of positive influence and effective leadership. If you're working with an ineffective leader, someone who you feel could be doing a lot better, I encourage you to have these strategies. Remember the story of Davis and Lee and just understand that it's not enough for you to just stay complacent and quiet without adding value. Your goal needs to be value adding. Thank you for joining me, my friends. If you're curious to know more about these masterminds that we have at Project Leadership Institute, go on down to projectleadershipinstitute.com. We have weekly engagement sessions with our members where not only do we learn from each other, we teach each other. Thank you. You take care and I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now.